is a 1v1 horror actual play podcast. I'm Blaine, your host and RPG-loving friend. Before we talk about the episode, if you like what you hear, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on your favorite podcatcher. It really helps other folks find us. If you want to be a guest, recommend a game, or just say hi, I'm on Twitter at notalone underscore horror, and my email address is youarenotalonepod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week, we're continuing our Troll Hands takeover. The last two episodes featured Gabriel Robinson's new game, Token. Token is still up on Kickstarter. The campaign is running until February 23rd, so as of the time this podcast goes up, you have four more days to back it. Such an awesome game. For the next two episodes, Gabriel is back and we're playing his game from last year's zine quest, Candlelight. We spent a good bit of time at the beginning of the episode talking about the inspiration for the game, so I'm not going to say any more here. Let's just jump in. This week, I'm really excited. We are playing the game Candlelight, which is a horror game that is rooted in trophy. It is a a really fantastic game about adventurers who have died in the woods and are now trying to escape to a possibly hopeful future. (laughs) Joining me today to play Candlelight is the creator, Gabriel Robinson. Hey, Gabriel. How's it going? Hey, going well. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm so excited to have you on the show in general and to run Candlelight in specific. I am, I've mentioned this to you a couple times, but I, I ever since playing the first time, I've thought a lot about Candlelight, and I'm really excited to play it some more. That's awesome. That means a lot. It's it's uh, really exciting to be here. So thank you. Oh, you yeah. are very welcome. Thank you for joining me. So for for our listeners, why don't you tell us? I guess let, let, let's start, before we talk about Candlelight specifically, why don't you tell folks a little bit about who you are, what you're doing, where they can find you on the interwebs? Sure, yeah. So I'm Gabriel Robinson on Twitter. I'm at Trollhands, and I'm a pretty new writer and game designer. Kind of got my start over the last couple of years discovering indie RPGs and just kind of diving deep, <laughs> just coming across the world of other things that are out there being inspired by all the cool creators that are out there. I started writing for the trophy role-playing game, which Candlelight is based off of by sending entries to their trophy dark writing contest. And those were received well, and that just kind of inspired me to keep going. got to write more for the books, which are coming out this year, which I'm really excited about. And that's what Candlelight is based off of. It asks kind of what happens when your character dies in this haunted forest and you're still there as a ghost and what do you do next? So it's my first full game I've written and um, that's kind of where it's come out of. That's awesome. Yeah. I was so excited. I, I love trophy kind of from the moment I saw it. And then even before we kind of got to know each other, I saw candlelight coming to Kickstarter. And the second I saw kind of the pitch of, of candlelight being the, 
the opposite kind of the opposite journey of trophy where like trophy are traveling into the woods to most likely die and then seeing candlelight be a story about like what happens then mm-hmm. was such a cool premise for a game yeah it kind of evolved I, I knew i wanted to make a game about ghosts and spirits somehow and at some point like it's a horror game but i'm not sure 100 percent is because it's actually really hopeful it's it's realizing that maybe you have unfinished business your trophy kind of assumes at least trophy dark that you're desperate treasure hunters maybe you weren't really great people and you're going into a place that doesn't want you there and that place you know turns you against each other and kills you but I guess from candlelight, it's looking at, you know, once that person has died, what's left and they probably still have hopes and dreams and maybe some redeeming qualities. And so it it gives you a chance to maybe look a little more inside the character and see what's, what's left and what they might still hope to accomplish. I love that. And I do think, I think, I mean, like you said, there's a, there's a lot of hope in it, but I think like, I, I, I personally think a lot of the best horror is horror that has that hope. Bad things are going to happen, but there if if there's no hope of escape or no hope for redemption, then it then it kind of just turns into a slasher film, mm-hmm. which like I don't dislike slasher films, but they're not my they're not the horror I go to when I want to be challenged as a person. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean I, I think what I like at least the kinds of horror I like it's is very cathartic to me, even if it is really bleak or intense, but I've heard it described as a hopeful genre and maybe can't articulate why as well as, as some people, but it, that really means a lot to me that even just as simple as, Hey, you know, I'm not trapped in a, <laughs> my daily life is, is hard, but I'm not stuck in a haunted woods. Things aren't that bad <laughs> and getting to like experience that and inhabit that and kind of just figure out what you would feel, what you would do is very cathartic. So uh, for some reason, that's what I feel really drawn to write. Yeah. And I, th- I mean, I think you did it beautifully when we played candlelight, some of the like kind of final narrations of people when they, when they reached their, uh, their full hope and actually escaped were really incredible. And like the way they got to know their characters mm-hmm. and then fed that into this kind of escape from the woods was so fantastic and i think the game really does set the players up to like understand their characters that well by the time they know what's coming Mm -hmm. yeah and i think yeah that's also tribute to trophy but the structure of it specifically that it's this five act trophy dark is a five act game where you're going through rings of the story where things progressively get worse and here that's flipped around but each sort of segment has themes to it so it really makes it easy to build that story and, and go deep with it because at each stage you're kind of given certain prompts about your character. And in here it's maybe it's, it's doubly so because you assume you've been through them on the way in and now coming back out, you get to revisit them. So there's sort of those two stories happening at once, which just gives you a lot of, a lot of rich like depth to draw from, I hope. So yeah, when I've played it too, the characters just came up with amazing stories as well. And that's, I just think if you throw a bunch of those ingredients in there at once and let people go for it, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You've already died. So <laughs> it's true. You, uh, and, and based on the kind of narrative arc of trophy that led them to their death, mm-hmm. uh, it probably was a real bad death. So right. 
your your worst moment has already already happened. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm I'm super excited to play this, and we'll play some Candlelight, and folks can get a feel for the types of games you're you're hoping to make. Awesome. I guess as far as dice rolls go, we can talk about we can explain that as we're doing okay. it. So I feel like with the with the system of character creation you have kind of in place, the best place is probably to just jump in to that and I'll start I'll start crafting my character and we can we can start telling a story. For people who are listening, we are using the Trophy Incursion Shiver by Madeline Ember as our uh our sort of backdrop for the game. So if you if you like the story you hear, you can head to buyemberinash.itch.io. Mm-hmm. And check out Shiver, the incursion we're playing, and they do a ton of other awesome stuff. So I would highly recommend just going there and buying everything on their itch, absolutely uh, personally. But so that is that's the incursion we're going to use as our backdrop for the game. And so we'll jump in now, and uh, I, I'll, I'll start building this poor soul who is trapped <laughs> in the woods. Yeah. Do you? So there are there are a few prompts on the way where we could bring those things in. Do you just want to do an overview really quick of your character of the different parts of the character sheet, or do you want to start? Yeah. So we could talk about that real quick and I will, I will work on, I have a basic sketch in my head, but I haven't actually specifically put anything down. So if you want to walk us through the character sheet a little bit and I will, as, as we walk through it, I'll start putting specifics down. Sure. So character creation, it's similar to trophy. We're, we're just picking a couple sort of key skills, keywords that give you skills and help you roll more dice. The first thing, actually you may want to come back to the first thing because it's it's a little big how you actually died. But maybe we could start with memories, which are like occupations of uh, significant parts of your character's identity when you were living. Do you have... Yeah, I think that I th- that feels like a good a good. Let's talk about the person before we talk about the grisly <laughs> manner in which they were slain. Mm-hmm. So in Candlelight, I've broken it up a little bit. In Trophy, there's occupations which kind of come with, you know, sort of your character's class. But here, you could pick any three, and it's really what is most significant to your character. So you could choose from relationships, identities, or roles. Any combination there? If there's one that you don't see that you'd like to make up, we can make that work too. All right. I think so. I think for this character that I, I'm starting to put together in my mind, I'm going to do one from each because I figure that gives folks a good a good view of the different the different types of memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm going to pick elder. Not not because I I am ne- my character is old or like the elder of her community. Mm-hmm. But I think she's in kind of in training. She's been kind of tagged by her community to become one of the people that carry on their traditions. Mm, I like that. So I'm imagining I'm imagining her kind of as a, you know, not not super young, but probably like 18, 19, maybe early 20s, but has been kind of apprenticing with different people in the community to learn learn the traditions of our people. I think that'll fit really well with this incursion for reasons we'll get to reasons you went into this snowy forest uh, for sure. Yeah. So an elder, and then you're thinking of 
something from identities and roles. Yeah. So let me look at. Yeah, I think for my identity, I'm going to go with witch. Cool. Being skilled in healing. There are a lot of good ones on that that I think fit with this character idea. Mm -hmm. But that's the one I think that calls to me the most. Yeah, these go together very well, too. Let's see. As far as roles go. Oh, there are so (laughs) many. this, This section... It's one of my favorite parts of the book. The memories are all just so good and so evocative. Yeah, one of the goals there was to just thinking about your your typical like RPG class. You know, if you're a fighter and you have all these combat skills and things, if you're dead, like does any of that even matter? It's sort of what else were you? <laughs> so here, you know, the goal is to break it wide open a little bit, where you could be you know, the things that matter the most might be like your strongest memories of like being a parent or being a poet or, or things like that. Yeah. I think that works really well too. Cause it, it does, it plays into that. Well, like if, if you were this like amazing skilled combatant, like your combat skills don't matter, but like what elements mm-hmm. of combat spoke to you? Like the idea of like, I, I love the under relationships, kith and kin, like the idea of, being skilled in loyalty mm-hmm. and that idea of like, all right, like was I a fighter that really cared about people or maybe I was a, a, the rival and I'm skilled in betrayal because I didn't, I was, I was a mercenary mm-hmm. and my combat skills aren't the relevant thing. It was the, the, the reason I fought right. was the important thing. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I'm actually here going to go with priest okay. being skilled in hymns. Cause I like the idea of, of how that ties in with traditions and maybe our culture was more of more of a, an oral tradition culture mm-hmm. that has these like great songs that tell our history. Mm-hmm. That's, that's an interesting combination. I, th- I think I may have played almost this combination when I've been a player in this game. I like to play elders. Just it's more fun. <laughs> Yeah, I like. I mean, that's that's definitely my type of when I when I play more traditional RPGs, I'm always the like skill character who uh, knows history and mm-hmm. like knows the herbs of the woods, and mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone else is off fighting goblins, and I'm like, oh hey, look, there's these cool herbs over here, guys. <laughs> uh, one thing that I like so far is this is a question, I guess is is witch and priest are those opposed whatsoever, or is that part of tradition do those things go together that's a good question and that is like picking which is my last memory Mm -hmm. made picking priest kind of weird and we could discover that in play for sure but it's just a a thought i had yeah i i would say let's leave most of that to play my my initial gut reaction is to me in the kind of culture i am envisioning they are less opposed than they would be in, say, 18th century Mm -hmm. uh, America, where those two things are obviously kind of diametrically opposed in a lot of our modern, like in our, our world's culture. And I feel like they aren't, in my mind at least, aren't as opposed Mm -hmm. as that, but I don't know, maybe they, maybe they are in that relationship is just kind of, simmering under the surface yeah a lot of 
a lot of things we could explore there as we look back at this character. Are you thinking of a name yet? That is <laughs> the hard part. <laughs> always the hardest part. <laughs> but I think uh, I think Elena. Okay. Like the, I was going to say the easier route is just to talk about how you don't remember it yet because <laughs> you're when the game that is <laughs> that's a nice built-in cop out yeah, maybe that's just me too that's the hardest thing oh yeah i am i'm so bad at names because like i want i want the name to be poignant but at the same time like uh, it, there's a tendency to be like overwrought in naming a character mm-hmm. and trying to find that middle ground of like this is a good name but I'm not like, you know, Shield Mountain, the mm-hmm. the dwarven warrior. Right. <laughs> so there's a couple more things to choose here, and one of them, I was thinking for the drive, it would be interesting because it, Shiver has some really cool drives. I would kind of like to know what your drive was while you were living, and then we can come to it a little bit later. What your drive is now is a spirit who's lingering. So if there's six drives in the, the shiver PDF that are related to the setting specifically, if any of those stand out to you. Okay. So for drives from shiver. So while you were living your, your reason for going in search of the Everspring, which we'll talk about is lovelorn when your true love's hand with a cup of Everspring nectar, bereaved, prevent even a single additional death by starvation. Humble, prove your value to your village by saving it. Uninspired, use the wonders of Everspring as inspiration. Greedy, gather coin by cornering the market on food. Or prophetic, prove your dream of the Everspring to be true. If any of those stand out to you. I think I think bereaved mm-hmm. might be he, let, let me turn this on you sure. as far as yeah. like for the story you're starting to think about. Mm-hmm. I the two that call out to me I think the most are bereaved or prophetic. Mm-hmm. Which which one do you think is more interesting for this story? I think I think with your Elder Witch and Priest, I think Prophetic would be pretty cool. There'd be a lot you could build on there. Bereaved and wanting to prevent starvation would be pretty directly tied to the, the theme of the incursion. But yeah, I'd, I'd kind of be curious if if you went with like prophecy and dreams and your your character's identities there. Yeah, let's do let's do that one because that was uh, uh, honestly looking at looking at my memories. I almost I forget which one is skilled in prophecy mm-hmm. oracle from identities oh, sure. i that that was a, a close second to which for sure me. so yeah let's do prophetic because that kind of brings that in well like it's not necessarily a direct skill mm-hmm. it's still that that concept of prophecy and what what my knowledge of tradition and community have shown me about what is to come yeah that's really interesting so there's the drive as a spirit, which if you at least want to see the list, I'm going to ask you at a certain point in the, the story kind of what that is now. And if any of those don't really stand out to you, we can easily make up a different one. But these are this is sort of what what gives you hope to try to move on from this place, what you 
hope to still accomplish it from the afterlife. So some of these, if I'm just going to read for the, the listeners on it, they're things like, um, they're pretty varied. They could be to wreak vengeance on those who wronged you. It could be to leave a warning to those who would realize your same fate. It could be to meet your ancestors. Or it could be something like seek forgiveness from a family curse. Yeah, I love these two. There are just so many good <laughs> options. So uh, what I'm thinking maybe is sort of combining two of the ones. From yeah, them. yeah. I like the idea of merging with wild beasts to live on forever, hmm. but also making sure those you left behind are cared for. Oh, okay. So maybe combining those into this, right? Where like, I, I'm looking for a way to like merge with the forest in some way, specifically so that I can protect and care for those people in my village. Yeah, that's as we'll see in the incursion that ties together like like all the big themes of this one in a really interesting way. So yeah, I'm curious to see that. Cool. The last thing on the character sheet are your dirges, which are the same as rituals in Trophy Dark. So they're like spells. And you start with uh, a point of despair, which when that reaches six, your character's lost. You you have these two stats of hope and despair in which everyone reaches six that's kind of how the story ends for your character but with each point of despair you are gaining more power from the place sort of echoes of dark magic is one way you could think about it um so the more the closer you are to being lost the more powerful your abilities are as this spirit so you start out with at least one of them but you can add more if you want to all right, so I'm definitely the the one I'm since I have to start with one no matter what. I'm going to take Tangle, mm-hmm. which for our listeners allows me to hold a person or animal in place. Do I want this? Is always the like the trophy conundrum mm-hmm. of like, do I want to take all of these cool powers and be close? And like, when it, whenever I run trophy, I always remind people I'm like. So just theoretically, like from a like game theory standpoint, if your ruin is higher, it's harder for you to gain ruin. And I think that's more just me pushing people to take cool powers. Mm-hmm. As a player, I like to take um, more because of the, the play to lose <laughs> philosophy, which candlelight is kind of both. It's It's really up to you. And the number of these will go up and down because you have ways to kind of bring yourself back a little bit and give up some of those powers or get them back. Awesome. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm going to take one more and start with a despair of two playing off of that. The, the drive of merging with the wild beasts. I think I'm going to take Howl. Oh yeah. Okay. As like the small, the small step that Elena has taken Mm -hmm. towards already, already realizing her, her goal. Mm Mm-hmm. Nice. I like those two. And yeah, you will get into how you use them, but they are, they're dirges. They're sort of unleashing the, the despair that your spirit has of being trapped here. And there are ways, kind of the main ways you can really influence your environment in a, in a dramatic way. Cool. I think that gives us all the character options. I think the rest. Do we want to revisit Doom now or are we going to do that in the first? Oh, yeah. Sure. Let's talk about it and then we can describe it more later. So I think I think for Doom, I want to go. I feel like based on the setting and based on this character, 
And, you know, because the setting's a little bit different than the standard forest, this will probably look a little bit different, mm-hmm. but over overgrown. Oh, interesting. Okay. Which gives you skills in growth. All right. I don't know how useful that's going to be in mm-hmm. a, uh, a, a winter, a winter infested forest. But I kind of like that idea of like, I don't know, in my mind, I'm imagining, you know, in, in a way, like freezing to death is kind of the, mm-hmm. the winter forest equivalent of, of overgrown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be overgrown with frost or things like that. Cool. All right. So there we go. Poor Elena. <laughs> so, yeah, so much going on already with this character. I really like it. I want to read the intro to Shiver as an incursion to kind of set the scene a little bit. And then we can start to get into the first phase of the game. So this is from Shiver, the incursion. Your village exists far beyond the reach of Fort Durin, perilously close to the forest of Kaldur. Instead of cowering behind city walls, your village harvests what wild game, herbs, and lumber are most profitable for trade. The price for this opportunity is high. You don't benefit from the fort's protection or aid. This bitter winter has led to terrible hardship. With stores almost depleted, you and the other hunters were sent on a last-ditch quest to locate the Everspring. This mythic glade was said to always be warm and flushed with life, where the game will lay itself at your feet, and honey runs in warm rivulets between sugar-sweet raspberry canes. Every decade or so, a lost woodsman would come back raving of these wonders. You were to return with enough game and greens to feed your village through the remainder of the winter or die trying. So that's what drew you out to this wintry forest. I guess one other thing I didn't think to ask is, um, actually, I think what I'd like to do is assume that your companions you came with have also died somewhere along the way, and you were starting this journey on your own if that kind of fits. Yeah, I think, I think that that works well. And what um, do you think you just made this journey alone to start with? Um, that is a good mm-hmm. question. No, I think like, I like the, idea uh, uh, from pu- almost purely from a story perspective. I like the idea of having had companions at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that could end, end up giving us some really cool potential story moments. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea that like, in this wood, we didn't all we didn't all die at the same place, so we're kind of scattered. And like, I I am presently dead by myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I was. I guess this is something that we could explore through the story, like where in the order I fell. Mm-hmm. Um, like, did any of my companions make it further than me? Am I the one who made it the furthest? I think we're going to assume you made it the furthest, okay. because we're going to start. Uh, at the the center. That's true. We're starting as a fifth mm-hmm. ring. So, um, I guess in general, how many companions do you think came with you? Like one, two, three others. I I feel like we're a pretty pretty small community, mm-hmm. so we probably couldn't afford to send too many people. So maybe maybe two other companions. Okay, perfect. So we may encounter them later. So the the thing that takes a little longer with candlelight. Again, we are sort of backtracking at first to give the overview of this journey that you just made. And then we're starting kind of in the center where things have gone downhill, where the worst things have happened. And then we're going to retrace your steps. So the first phase of the game is called the wake. 
And this is where I briefly recall the journey and just kind of give a quick overview of the the rings of the incursion that you have already traveled through. But all of these things, none of it's written in stone, really. Like when we come back to it, you'll be able to make rolls and flashbacks and kind of see exactly what happened and kind of add it, add your own part to the story, however you want to. But just as a quick overview of where you've come, you set out with your companions searching for the Everspring. At the edge of the forest, you encountered a group of emaciated people squabbling over a roasting piece of meat, and you realized they were cannibals. They had bound an old woman and intended for her to be the next meal. And whether you managed to rescue her or just speak to her, she mentioned how her daughter was supposed to return from the Everspring with food for her. Further into the forest, the snow grew heavier and crowded in on you, and you were forced to huddle and make camp for warmth in this blinding blizzard maybe managing to make a shelter and fire. If some of you awoke in the night, you would have seen dancing figures of glowing light just off the path. If you followed these lights, you woke elsewhere with strange fleeting dreams and a full belly. Further into the forest, you found a clear snowless path where a silent woman in a black cloak stood staring at the sky. She attacked you when you came close, clutching these sweet fruits to her, which she intended to bring back to her mother. But, There was not enough for the whole group, and supplies were growing scarce. And this may have been a source of conflict. But further along your journey, deeper into the forest, you encountered a stampede of wild animals, which were all strangely fat and well-fed, even in this wintry forest. And they passed over you and somehow through you, as if they were an illusion. And as they disappeared in the forest, an enormous, thundering beast emerged and charged you with massive tusks and caused you to flee deeper into the forest, um, driving you onward, even as you heard some distant voices calling for you to turn back. And at last you came to the Everspring itself, at the center of the forest, a paradise of fruit orchards, a golden river, wild animals everywhere lying asleep, bloated from feasting endlessly. And no matter how much fruit or meat you harvested, you cannot satisfy your hunger. And even as the remainders of your group, maybe just you, carved into this this feast, this bounty, you realize you cannot leave no matter how much you carried, and there was no escape. And after this journey, now we begin the story as a spirit. You are coming back into consciousness in this glade of powerful white light amidst these blooming apple trees. In your spirit form, you can still feel these traces of the sensations, the intoxicating fragrance. You see animals spread out in all directions. There's predator and prey lying beside each other. Um, There's a hawk and a sparrow sharing a perch on one of these trees. But none of these creatures are moving. They all seem to be in this deep sleep. There's a spring running with golden liquid and fruit trees stretching in every direction. And there just seems to be this very quiet hum as the sleeping animals their, their mouth closed in sleep, their breath rising and falling very, very slowly. And you see your own form lying in the snow among them. But yours is still, and it's so small and insignificant next to theirs. And this is when you realize that you have met your doom at the end of this journey. I want to come back to that for a second and have you describe as a spirit what you see when you look down on the form of Elena. I think, I think Elena looks down and she sees she is she is so small and 
despite having these sort of flickering memories of feasting, she looks so thin. And despite the kind of lush greenery, her her skin has like a pale bluish tinge to it. And especially like the ends of her fingers and her lips are this sort of darker, darker blue, almost purple. She just lays, her body lays there in this quiet repose that looks similar to the animals, almost, almost like she's sleeping, Mm -hmm. but her chest doesn't rise or fall like the creatures of the woods around her. She is completely still. And ultimately, um, her doom is to be overgrown by this place. I think there's this bounty of all these harvested fruits, and maybe your sack is overflowing with fruits and meat from the animals, and you're buried under the weight of everything you tried to carry back to your village and, and buried partially in snow, layers of ice. And from this view above, it's pure white snow. There's no blood, it's just soft powder. You, you realize your form now is light and luminous and you can drift lightly over the snow without leaving any tracks. And part of you is tempted to just rest here. It's this beautiful place, but something, some part of you knows that you have to leave. What, and this is where we come to your, your drive now, looking on this scene and the, the unfinished task that you, you came here to do. What, what tugs at your consciousness and, and lets you know that you, you need to try to do something else, that you can't just rest here with your body? I, I think – so the, the, the village I came from, mm-hmm. the, the village as a whole is, is important, but I think it's specifically one person that sort of in, in whatever – whatever constitutes a mind for a spirit Mm -hmm. is this vision of an older woman in bed. And it is, it is this woman who taught Elena, all of, all of the hymns that she knows, all of the songs that tell her people's stories. Mm -hmm. And she is, she is sick and hungry back home. And it is it is a, a, a swift memory of that person that that leads Elena to know that she needs to she needs to find some way to continue to help her her village even in death. Right, because that's what you and your companions were sent out to do. Is if you found this Everspring, if it was even real, you would be able to bring back more than enough food for your village. And you have discovered that it, it does indeed exist, but maybe there's another way you can still help the people who depend on you. But the first, the first task before you is to actually just pull yourself away from your body. And this is, is what we call a reckoning in the game, where just the sheer weight of this. So as a spirit, there may be things that, can, that will try to consume your light and, and devour the essence of you that's left. There may be other things that are just the shock of recent events and memories just has such a, t- bears a toll on you that may trap you there or 
drain your your hope um, and give you pull you to give into despair. So this is an attempt to kind of accept that moment and, and try to move on from this spot where you died. So I'm just going to scroll up to the rules for reckoning. So basically, this is any time you're encountering something really intense or horrific and seeing if it causes hope or despair in you. So you're just going to roll a single dark die. I'm trying to remember the rules of my game. <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't really matter because it's one, one dice. But I think for theme, it's a dark die. That makes sense. I am pretty sure that's if I remember correctly. All right. Let's see how this goes. I got a four. So your despair right now is two. Yes. So you rolled higher than that. So it actually is going to increase by one. It's a good start. Mm-hmm. Right out mm-hmm. the gates. The, the different thing about this is that we're starting at the very worst. So it's the, in, in trophy dark, we're going where it's progressively worse here. You're starting where all the horrific stuff has happened. So it is right there and hitting you hard right from the start. Yeah. Thematic- thematically, I think it, it definitely makes sense mm-hmm. that in this moment, like not only having to reckon with my death, but the fact that we, we, Unless I can find some way to escape this, mm-hmm. we have failed our village. Right. Which is a lot for someone who there's already the stress of her village kind of expecting Elena to take over everything, to be the bearer of our traditions. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure. Then to also reckon with the fact that I just died. Mm-hmm. And that means that there's a good chance that the village may may starve. Yeah, and what really hits you is just seeing that spilled bag of of the the meats and the fruit and the all the food that would have fed your village spilled, covered over by frost, and it's right there in front of you. And you know that there's nothing you can do to to bring it back yet. Two things happen when your despair increases. You get another dirge, which is again one of those spell-like powers because this place wants to keep you here the everspring you know you're not the first to come here to try to steal its bounty and things that die here it wants to claim as its guardians so it's not that the land is itself necessarily evil but it's its power is threatening to overwhelm you this whole time it's sort of gravity pulling you back to the center and you're trying to fight it as this flickering spirit so the more you are giving into your despair it is actually giving you these dirges, which come with it. So you can choose another dirge. The other thing I want to ask you, I can suggest it, or you can tell me how this manifests to kind of give a visual to if there's any change in this, this light of your, your form, which have a table for those things um, too, if you want. Yeah. If there's a table, let's, let's do that. Cool. I think that would be fun. I'm a big fan of the kind of OSR, just let let the dice decide. Mm-hmm. Cool, actually. So you could roll just, yeah, you could roll it or we could just pick one. Yeah, let me, uh, is it a, what do I roll to figure? It's just a light and a dark dice. And you can kind of choose between those two. All right. Uh, so I got a four on the light die and a three on the dark die. Actually, I think between those two, the one that makes the most sense already is that you you feel uh, you become ravenous 
but nothing will sate your hunger and everything that you try to taste just tastes like dirt. And you, this is even more poignant as a spirit. You just are very much aware of your, like your spectral form and your emptiness, especially seeing this food in front of you and your hopes to take it back with you. So that's kind of what is starting to grow a little bit is a hunger. I, I like that. And that actually fits really well. The dirt I was planning on taking is feet. <laughs> perfect. So it lets me drain the warmth from a living creature. How perfect. Well, you are surrounded by sleeping living creatures. These are things that are pretty open to interpretation as far as what that could do. You could probably try to do that if you wanted to reduce your despair a little bit, or you could move on. I th- I think for now, do I want trying to decide how Elena feels about seeing her body covered mm-hmm. in frost? Yeah, I think maybe with all of this, like with all of the despair <laughs> that I'm feeling right now, I think it might make sense that I would try to maybe maybe use feast to draw out the warmth from these creatures all around me to try and like melt the frost that's on my body. Oh, cool! Yeah, I like that as a sort of uh, a, a like an inverse burial where I'm sort of buried now, but the like the last thing I want to do for my for my body is to free it from this ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I like that. Other traditions, so as as an elder, even if you're a younger apprentice of traditions, and as a priest, actually as all of your your strong memories, <laughs> uh, witches and healing, are there like what funeral rites do your does your village practice? What feels like appropriate to you when you're looking down on your body? I wonder. Hmm. So I have one thing that uh, immediately that comes to mind, which is less less preparation of the body. Mm-hmm. But that we have we have a song that our people sing that talks about everyone who has come before us. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's the job of of the priest to write just like a couplet about this person that gets added mm. to this kind of living hymn that we have. As far as how like what we do with the bodies of our fallen I I feel like maybe because it's such a rough like we live in such a difficult area that maybe maybe our burial practice has something to do with almost like composting mm-hmm. where we find ways to bury our dead in such a way that like as decomposition happens it feeds the earth and helps our plants to grow. Hmm. So what little food we're able to gather during the non-winter months becomes, it's not, not only do we allow our bodies to strengthen the future of our, our people, but it becomes also this cyclical thing where not, not quite full fledged cannibalism, Mm -hmm. but this idea that like our food is fed by the actual bodies of the people who have come before us. Mm -hmm. And in some almost kind of Eucharistic way, we are literally consuming our traditions and our past. And and really honoring those people, not letting anything go to waste. And they're literally 
sustaining you and living through you and that kind of thing. Yeah, as weird like as weird as a, uh, of an idea as that feels to me, it, oh, there's also something really kind of beautiful, sort of sort of like the Whitman leaves of grass all goes onward and outward hmm. kind of idea of death. Hmm. So yeah, I think that's I think that's what we do. Yeah, I think I think it's a really beautiful scene. I think because feast is a dirge. And you mentioned the song. I, I'm picturing it as this may be the first time as a spirit you are giving voice. And it, it will, you know, open up that sound into the landscape. I think how I want to interpret it as a risk rule. So on a success, I'm going to say that that will increase your hope. The risk with any dirge is just that it increases your despair. And again, there's ways we haven't got to which you can reduce your despair later on if you want to. But that's always the risk of using one is that its power kind of gets a more of a, a grip on you and digs its hooks in a little further. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. So the way that we do a risk roll is to get a dice pool. So first we look at memories that you have related to this. I mean, any of your memories would make sense based on what we just said. Yeah, I think traditions, hymns, or growth. Mm-hmm. all kind of fit in there really well so you add a light die for that you're using a dirge so it's automatically a dark die as well and you have the option of just rolling those and seeing how they go you can also add a light die if you make a desperate prayer at this point which may or may not fit with this if you want and that is basically calling out you don't necessarily know what will hear you out here, whether they're literal entities or deities that you worshipped, or if it is just offering a prayer as part of that, but that can give you an extra light die. You don't know what will answer or what the outcome will be, but that's an option. Yeah, I feel like, so my my initial gut reaction was that maybe like this isn't necessarily desperate, but then like, as I thought about it, the idea of the fact that like we are buried in such a way as to sustain our community, the fact that I've died outside of the community and like my body won't be part of that mm-hmm. does actually make me think that, that Elena is probably pretty desperate right here to like become part of her community's hymn mm-hmm. and unsure if that's possible, but yeah, that, that sounds appropriate. So that, yeah, that would give you a, another light die. If oh, you like one dark. Me. Well, that's at least a decent start. So I got a six and a one on the light die and a one on the dark. Oh, die. wow. That's as good as you can roll. <laughs> so that is success and your hope will increase by one. Yeah, describe... Describe how this changes the landscape around you. So I think that I, I think Elena starts to sing this hymn of her village. And it's so full of kind of despair and sadness and questioning. And we see, I think because there are so many animals around, drawing the heat out of them doesn't necessarily kill them but we do see 
kind of the animals directly around Elena start to shiver a little bit as the heat is drawn out of them. Mm -hmm. And I think we see the, the ice begin to melt off of, off of Elena's body. And we see color start to return to her flesh. It stops being, I mean, it's still kind of like a deathly pallid, but it's less, there's less of that bluish tinge to it from the freezing. Mm -hmm. And it's more this last beautiful image of, of yourself as you knew yourself to be. And maybe that's easier to, to leave yourself there uh, resting peacefully kind of wreathed, not, not overgrown as much as just beautifully wreathed in frost and surrounded by this orchard, which is still full of both ripe apples and fruit of every kind and the blossoms of those fruits, sort of like this perpetual abundance. It's always spring and summer and every season at once here in the ever spring. Yeah, I think that's uh, that at least makes it a s slightly more relieving mm -hmm. way to to leave, mm -hmm. and maybe some hope that even if I'm not going to be buried in my community, and even if the animals in this area don't really need an additional food source, there's some potential way for me to maybe join this area my body at least my body to join this area in the way that it would have if it was buried in the community mm -hmm. and i think as part of this too and feel free to jump in and take any of this over but with that being a desperate prayer i think it's almost like this glimpse of the abundance and fertility that is really what you were seeking here the at the center of the orchard it is almost like the the hanging fruits and flowers and the branches kind of sway a little bit as if there's a, a wind and they kind of draw together and form this face for a moment. And it's a benevolent face of a goddess looking down on you for just a moment. And you almost see like the hint of a smile, just a, a bit of a promise that if you continue, you, you may yet fulfill that drive and, and aid your community. And you just know for a moment that you you are glimpsed out here, even though you're the only floating spirit you can see your, your witness for a moment. And that gives you this glimmer of hope. And I think the way that manifests as well is in your wake, um, as you pass along the snow, if we were to see this from a distance, there'd be little blossoms like from fruit trees that fall in your path behind you along the snow. Thank you to Gabriel Robinson for bringing such a great game to the podcast. Thank you to Madeline Ember for designing such a cool incursion, and thank you to you for listening. You can grab Candlelight at glowingroots.itch.io and shiver at buyemberandash.itch.io. Both those links are in the show notes. Both of them are games you should have in your collection. Also make sure to check out the token Kickstarter while it is still up. Our special theme song this episode is Dirge of the Lost by Sky Zents, the Candlelight theme song. You can check out more of Sky's amazing music at Sky Zents, that's S-K-Y-E-Z-E-N-T-Z dot bandcamp dot com. Join us on March 5th for part two of Candlelight with Gabriel Robinson. Until then, remember that you are strong, you are beautiful, and you are not alone. You who seek the forest treasure
Drown in your despair.